Um, really quickly before we get into the service today, I just want to, Dr. Tanya, can you stand up? Everybody give it up for Dr. Tanya Adams. Awesome. So Dr. Tanya Adams, she is leading this prophetic, um, this prophetic ministry, and she, we've talked about it um, here and there throughout the service, but after church today, she's going to have a prophetic meeting in the back. She's going to go over what the new vision is for CNC. And here's the idea is that every service after service is over, her and her team are going to make available the, the gift of prophecy. So if you come to church and you say, man, I really want a word from the Lord, her and her team are going to be prepared to give you a word from the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty cool, right? And so if you're interested in being a part of that team, you can find her right out in the cafeteria after service, and she's going to go over what that looks like. Amen? Awesome. You ready for the word today? I'll be brief, I promise. I'm not going to keep you too long. Um, But before we get into it, I want to share uh, just a brief announcement, you know, um, some of you may know, many of you may know, many of you may, may not know, but I wanted to let you know a couple of reasons. One, because I love you guys. You guys are my church family. We love you very much. And, and my wife and I are getting ready to share this news publicly, and we want you to know first. Second of all, it's the reason is because I believe what the Lord is doing with us in our life in this season is very intentional, and I want you to be included in that intention. And so my wife and I have accepted a, a senior pastor role at a church called Fountain Gate Fellowship in Abilene, Texas. And so at the end of this year, we will be moving to Texas to work under her father, my father-in-law, Pastor Scott Beard, and we will be his successors taking over the church down there. And I know it's, I know it's sad, I know we're heartbroken, and, and leaving CNC has been the most difficult part of this decision. We love you guys so much. Um, and it's been very difficult. But last November, you know, Pastor Scott, my father-in-law, has been asking me to, to take over his church now for quite a while. And I've always told him, I can't leave my CNC family. You crazy? And last November, we were down there for Thanksgiving. And I went to this church service. And man, I don't know what the Lord did with my heart, guys. But he just began to put a burden on my heart for these people in, in Abilene, Texas. And, um, and I, I tried to give it back to the Lord. Anybody done that before? They're like, here you go. I don't want this burden, right? And I tried to give it back to the Lord. And through months and months of prayer and conversations with all of our incredible pastors and leaders, we just felt like the Lord was saying, no, 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 this is the season that I have you in. This is, this is the next step for you and your wife. And so, you know, as much as we tried to resist it, we finally said, okay, Lord, you know what? We're going to be obedient. And I've stood on this stage many times over the last few months, and I've and I've talked about the fear of the Lord. I've talked about when the Lord gives you direction and when the Lord speaks something, our only job is to be obedient. You remember me saying that, right? And I couldn't stand up here and, and preach that to you and not walk in obedience in my own life. And so, um, you know, I wanted to share that news with you. We'll be here for a few more months. You know, we're not going to leave till the end of the year, but, but I wanted you to know. And, 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 and the second thing I wanted you to know this, and I, and I know Pastor Troy is going to share uh, the vision for the future and all of that stuff, but I want you to know this. This is really important, that the best days for CNC Cleveland, they're not behind you, they're ahead of you. That the God, God has your best days in front of you. And how many know this, that this isn't Pastor Troy's church, this isn't Pastor Dominic's church, this isn't any of these leaders or, or any of these amazing elders' churches, this is the Lord's church. And how many know that the Lord takes care of his people, amen? And I, I, can't, I can't release all of the information to you because I'm going to let Pastor Troy cast the vision, but I will say this, the, the person stepping into this position, it will be an upgrade, I'm telling you that. It's going to be an upgrade. I'm so excited for this. Now looking back, this has been in the, what the Lord has been doing over the last few years, you can see it. 
and, and I'm telling you this, that I believe through this campus, CNC Cleveland, that revival is going to start here, and it's going to break out all across Northeast Ohio, and we are so excited for what the Lord has planned. Amen. We're so excited for it. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to share that with you for a number of reasons, like I said, because I love you and I want you to know you're very, you, you mean a lot to me. And number two is this, is that as I was talking with the Lord and I was just asking the Lord, God, what, what do you want me to speak about? You know, this, this Sunday specifically, but even in the weeks to come, right? What do you want me to speak about? Because my intention, my heart is that we can, we can grow as a church. I don't want to just give you a message that excites you and then you go home and you're like, oh, that was awesome. But I want to give you something that stands long after we're gone, long after, you know, life happens, that you don't need a, a pastor or a leader. You know, the, there's a prophecy in Jeremiah, I think it's 31, where he says, I want to have this relationship with my people where I am their God and they are my people. And, and no man teaches his neighbor saying, know the Lord, but they all will know me from the least to the greatest. And so what I felt the Lord was leading me to was to this, this idea, this topic of the spiritual disciplines. Can we say that together? Spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, you might know what they are, you might not, but spiritual disciplines essentially are, are the reasons why we read our Bible, the reasons why we pray, the reasons why we give our tithes and offering, worship, all of these characteristics that, that a healthy Christian has in their life. And here's what I want to tell you today. I've never met a healthy Christian, or I've never met an unhealthy Christian that has healthy spiritual disciplines in their life. Every single person that loves the Lord and has established these spiritual disciplines of praying every day, of reading the word, of giving their tithes and offering, of worshiping, of fasting, all of these different things, you, you look at them and those are the Christians you say, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. And this is the beautiful thing. It's not that the Lord loves them more than he loves you, but they have committed their life to chasing after him. Like one of the most impressive things, you know, I talked to Pastor Tossi and Pastor Rita not too long ago, and they shared that they read 15 chapters of the Bible a day. And I don't say that to brag on them or make, you know, make them proud because they're not. They're the most humble people ever. But I, sh I share that to say this, is that if you want to have strength spiritually, you have to invest in your disciplines now, every single day. These things have to be important to you. So what I want to do over the next few moments is I want to talk about the spiritual discipline of prayer. Everyone say prayer. Prayer. So we're going to talk about prayer. Here, here's one of the thoughts, deepening your connection with the Lord. That's the goal in, in this conversation is to deepen your connection with the Lord. Um, Ron, I don't know if you can fix my TV. You're on it? Okay, cool. Um, but here, here's what I want to show you. The idea, you can put it up on the screen, the idea there while you guys are fixing it. Here's the idea. Prayer is more than giving God a list of needs. All right, everybody hear me? Prayer is more than giving God a list of needs. Prayer is how you and I connect to the heart of God. See, many, many of us, I remember when I was in Bible college, I was, I'd go to this prayer room and there was a 24-hour prayer room and you would scan your little your student ID number, you'd get in there and then you could just spend time praying. And I remember going into that room and I would walk around the room. I didn't really realize what was going on. I was kind of looking at the, the paintings on the wall and then I'd speak in tongues for a few minutes, you know, and then I'd just tell God what I needed and I left. And I felt like my prayer life was ineffective. I felt like my prayer life was unproductive. Has anybody ever felt like that? Maybe you feel like that now. You just feel like your prayer life is just like you don't pray because when you do pray, it's just like, I feel like I'm just complaining to God, right? But, but prayer, this idea of prayer is more than just giving God a list. Prayer is how you and I connect to the heart 
of the Father. So let's do this. As we get into the words this afternoon, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done in this service thus far. And we ask that you would continue to bless, continue to move and guide and lead. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest upon us, that we might know you more. That when we leave this place, we don't leave, Father, unchanged, but we leave changed by the power of your word. Bless our time together. In your name I pray. Come on, everybody said amen and amen. Here's the first thought I want to bring to you about prayer, right? And so before we get started, we're going to talk about three things, and and these are by no means the only way to pray. This isn't isn't the exhaustive list, but this is a really good place to start. If you don't have a prayer life, I would start here. So I'm going to give you three different things to do in order to connect to the heart of God. Here's the first thing that I want to talk about is meditation. Everyone say meditation. Have you heard of meditation before, right? The world kind of uses meditation and it kind of can be a little bit intimidating for a new believer to wrap their mind around because we hear meditation of like a yoga pose or, or you know, something, something kind of hyper-spiritual. It's not, that's not what it means. They don't, the world does not own the right to meditation, okay? Meditation literally means to murmur. That's what it means. And so when you meditate, what you do is you take the word of God and you dwell on it. You rehearse it. You say it out loud. It's a form and a process for us to really allow the Word of God to change us and get inside of our hearts. Here's what we shouldn't do, okay? We shouldn't just speed read the Bible in the morning and then spend five hours on Instagram, okay? That's not enough. If you're just getting in your reading time just to read and you don't meditate on the Word, then that Word really isn't changing you, right? Here, here's a great picture, and I'm sorry if anybody in this, in this room is squeamish. I feel like, Sharon, you're not going to like this. I'm sorry. But this is the best illustration I can come up with on meditation, right? But I've heard this, that cows have four stomachs. Has anybody heard this before, right? Cows have four stomachs. That's not true. Cows don't have four stomachs. Um, They actually have one, but they have just four different compartments. Their stomachs are very different than ours. Obviously, we're not cows, and God knew what he was doing. Um, But but cows have four different compartments to their stomachs. And when they graze, they, they eat grass all day, six to eight hours a day. That's all they do is eat grass. And what they do is they take a big bite of grass and they'll chew it just a little bit and then they actually just swallow the whole thing. And it goes down into their stomach and their stomach begins the process of breaking it down. And then if you're squeamish, I'm sorry, maybe close your ears for this part, it's kind of gross. But they regurgitate this grass, it's really nasty, right? They, They bring it back up, right? And when they bring it back up, what they do is they work on it again. And, and there's a system to where they, they initially take it in and they receive a little bit of nutrients, but then they bring it back up. And as they continue to chew this, this grass, it's, they call it chewing the cud, is, is they, they extract more and more nutrients from it every single time. So this is the process of meditation in the life of a believer, is that when we get the word of God in our heart, the word of God doesn't just stay there, but we bring it back up and we meditate on it, we chew on it a little bit more. My grandmother used to say this, put a scripture in your pocket. Anybody have a scripture in their pocket? That's what my grandma used to say. She said, write a scripture on a little note card and put it in your pocket. Why? Because every single day when you're at lunch break on your, on your, on your job, you can pull out that scripture and you can meditate on it a little bit more. You, you put it back and you pull it out and, and it's this process of dwelling on the word of God. I want to look at this scripture verse in the book of Psalms. If you have your Bible, anybody got their paper Bibles with them today? Awesome. Let's go to the book of Psalms. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 1, and we're actually going to look at the very first verse 
of the book of Psalms. You know, um, Timothy Keller, an amazing, uh, amazing man, he actually just recently passed, but he refers to as the, the book of Psalms as the book of prayer. And really, if you think about the Psalms, that's what it is. A lot of them are songs and spiritual songs, but really what we see is we have a window in the life of David and others of their prayer life. These are prayers that they've spoken to God, and so this is a book on prayer. If you want to know more about how to pray, read the Psalms, okay? That's a, that's a great place to start. But I think it's interesting that Psalm 1 verse 1 starts by David illustrating and showing us the importance and the power of meditation, okay? So let's get into it. Psalms chapter 1 verse 1, it says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Watch this. But his delight, this is his delight. This is what you and I enjoy doing. We find pleasure in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So David is saying, blessed is this person who doesn't just walk in the ways of the world, but blessed is the person who doesn't just read his Bible once, but he meditates Day and night, he, 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 he reads and, and digs into the scriptures. It says that he shall be like a tree planted by the river of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. And I want you to watch this. Whose leave also shall not wither. And whatever he does, he shall prosper. So David uses a metaphor that a man who meditates on the word of God is like a tree planted beside water. Now, what we know about trees is that they don't, their strength doesn't come from how tall they grow. Their strength comes from how deeply their roots go down into the ground, right? And so David is saying, he's using this illustration like this. When you meditate on the word of the Lord, what's happening is your, your roots are going down deep into the earth and it's sucking out all of the nutrients it's finding all the little bits of water right it's creating an opportunity for you to become a strong believer in Christ and he says this he says that your leaf will not wither not only will you bear fruit but your leaves won't die does anybody like the fall time I love fall it's my favorite season right but 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 here's here's the kind of I don't know, the irony of fall is that the beauty of the leaves changing is not that they're changing, they're dying. <laughs> you're, you're beholding death. That's what that is, right? But, but here's the promise of the Lord is, is, is this. No matter what season you go through, those leaves won't fall off. And, and this is my encouragement for many people in this room because I know a lot of Christians in this room who live a very inconsistent life in the Lord. I've lived this life before where it's filled with ups and downs, and it feels like you're doing great one week, right? And then you're at your lowest point the next week, and then there's this twist and this turn, and it feels like we're on a roller coaster ride with God filled with ups and downs. Can I tell you something? That's not how your life should be, <laughs> okay? You should not live your life like that. If you're a Christian experiencing that, here's the solution. Begin to meditate on the word of God. Because when you meditate on the word of God, what you're allowing is God's word to saturate your life and not just become head knowledge, but begin to change who you are. This is what I want you to see. Like a tree spreading its roots, meditation creates strength and consistency in every season of life. Now, David's not saying this, that your life's just going to be perfect and you're not going to have any problems. That's not what he's saying to us. What he's saying is this, even in the darkest winter, your leaves won't fall off. 
Even in the hottest, driest summer, your leaves won't fall off. In springtime, in fall, your leaves won't fall off. You will be a sturdy, strong Christian. Why? Because you don't get your strength from the things of this world. You get your information. You get your revelation from the word of God. That's why it's important from time to time to turn off the news. That's why it's important from time to time to put your phone down and stop being on social media because what you meditate on begins to dictate how you live your life. And I can tell you confidently, church, that anything that the world gives you, it's not going to be good. You meditate on the things of the world, you'll be, you'll be filled with fear, anxiety, depression, worry. But when you begin to meditate and chew on the word of God, you begin to put down deep roots where the enemy himself can't shake you. He can't come against you. Why? Because you're not rooted in the futile things of this world. You're rooted and standing on the only thing that will never be tossed away, and that is God's word. Everything else will fade. Everything else will fall, but God's word will never change. And so meditation, it's nothing to be afraid of. All it, all it is, is is reading the word and bringing it back up and chewing on it again and bringing it back up. Here's the second thing I want to show you. Contemplation. Everyone say Contemplation. Now, this is a very similar word to meditation, often used interchangeably, but I, I think I like a little bit of a different twist here. And I want to share this story. There was a, a young girl that went to a pastor, and she said, Pastor, I, I think I'm not going to pray anymore. And he said, okay, why? And she said, every time I pray, I go to the Lord, and when I go to the Lord, I'm, 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 I'm anxious, I'm depressed, I'm worried, you know, and I go to the Lord in prayer, and I expect to be filled with faith, but I leave that interaction with God filled with more anxiety, more worry, and more depression. And the pastor immediately says, well, that's not right. <laughs> Something's not right. How, what are you doing when you pray? How do you pray? And she said, well, I'll go to God and I'll say, God, I need this. And God, this is wrong. And God, I, my, my, my friend did this to me. And, and all this stuff is going wrong in my life. God, will you help me, right? And that's how many Christians pray, right? We give God our laundry list of what's wrong. And he, says, he said back to her, no wonder you're, you're more depressed when you leave that interaction because all you talk about are your problems. All you, all you talk about is what's going wrong. All you declare to God is what you don't have. No wonder you leave that interaction less, more depressed and more anxious. It's because you haven't, you haven't given God thanks for what he's done. You haven't spent time contemplating all of the goodness and the mercy and the wonderful things God has done in your life. You just go and complain to God. And it doesn't matter whether we're in prayer or we're gossiping with our friends. When we begin to spew out all of the negative things that are going wrong in our life, how can we expect to be filled with faith? How can we expect to be, to be a strong Christian? And what contemplation does is it forces us to sit back and to think on the goodness of God to dwell on all that he has done for you. In fact, this is what 1 Samuel chapter 12 says, and I love, this is Samuel's encouragement to the children of Israel. He says this, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider, everyone say consider. Consider, consider. this word means very similar to what contemplation means. Consider, it means to examine closely. So he's saying examine closely what great things he has done for you. 
Consider all of the wonderful things that God has done for you. Why is this significant? Because when you, when you contemplate the good things about God, what you realize is that the battle that you're facing now really isn't too different from what God delivered you from 10 years ago, right? Because many of us are confronted with this battle and we're so overwhelmed. We're so like distraught of what the enemy's doing. But the truth is God already delivered you from way crazier things years ago. You just fail to remember them. Because, it, let, let, let's just see this, a show of hands. Have, has anybody been healed in this room? Come on, raise your hand if you, the Lord has healed you. Look at all these hands in the room. Ra- raise your hand if the Lord has ever provided for you when you were in need, right? Raise, raise your hand if the Lord has ever restored any relationships in this room, right? Look at all these hands in the room, right? When, when we sit back and we contemplate the good things of God, what we realize is that God has won way more battles than what we're facing now. And when we remember his goodness, we receive faith to move in our future. You know, there's this incredible story about a man named David at the end of this book in 1 Samuel. And it's this story where David was actually, he he ran away and he was living with the Philistines. And the Philistines get up and they go to war with Israel. And crazy enough, David joins the Philistines in an attack against his own people. Before the war starts, the lords of the Philistines says, listen, I don't, I'm a little uncomfortable having David around, right? He's killed so many of us, he's got to go home. So they send David and his army home. And what happens is as David's approaching his home in Ziklag, he sees that it is up in smoke, that the Amalekites had come in while they were gone. They had raided their entire home, took their children, their women, all of their wealth, and they ran off and burned the city. And this is what the Bible says about David. The Bible says that as the army, David's army approached Ziklag, that David's men were so angry, they were ready to kill David. They were so frustrated with him. And the Bible says that David withdrew, and it says this, that he strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, Pastor Tossi, he doesn't say, we're not privileged to know exactly how David strengthened himself himself, but I'm going to make an educated guess, okay? Is that okay if I make an educated guess on what David did? He might have said something like this. I have been young, but now I'm old, but not one time, not one time have I seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He might have said something like this. Hey, listen, Saul, you don't have to worry about that giant because I've killed both the lion and the bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine, right? What David might have done in that moment is not look at the the giant or the enemy that he's facing now. He might have turned and contemplated the goodness of God in his life to say, God, you've healed me before, God. You've removed all of my sins. God, you gave me a right mind. God, I don't have to be fearful because I'm considering all of the wonderful things that you've done for me. And in that moment, he strengthened himself in the Lord. He walked back out and he said, give me the ephod we're talking to God and we're handling this situation. What? He gained strength to tackle what was in front of him. Not because he he, he like spoke to the giant or anything, it's because he considered what God had done. Some of us need to reflect and contemplate the goodness of God in our life. Sharon, do me a favor, throw up Psalms 103 if you you don't mind. I want to read this. This isn't in my notes, but I want to read this. As as you're getting this up, I want to say this to you. Contemplative prayer reinforces your faith and forms in us 
a godly perspective. Contemplative prayer, when we sit back and we dwell on and we think of and we examine closely all that God has done, what happens is it reinforces your faith and it gives you a godly perspective. Do you have that? Psalms 103. Let's, I just want to read it real quick. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And watch this. Forget not all of his benefits. Forget not all that the Lord has done for you. Who forgives all of your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Watch this. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are press. See, some of us, our problem in prayer is that we forget all of his benefits. And this is the power of prayer, is when we come to the Lord, we meditate on his word, and then we sit and we contemplate the goodness of God, and we begin to thank him. We begin to say, Jesus, thank you for your benefits. Thank you for your forgiveness, your mercy, all of the beautiful things that you've done in my life. And it doesn't matter what you're facing now. Now you've bolstered your faith, and you're ready to face what's coming next. It reinforces your faith and forms in us a godly perspective. Here's the last thing I want to tell you. I want to talk to you about silence. Everyone say silence. Silence. Sometimes we treat prayer as a monologue, but it's not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. And let me give you some advice. Sometimes you just need to shut your mouth. There's this interesting story of a a man named Dale Carnegie. He writes this incredible book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And in this book, he tells this story about a time he was invited to a dinner party. And he goes to this dinner party. He didn't know anybody there and, except for the guy that invited him. And he sits down with this guy who was a botanist, right? He studied plants. He knew all about plants. And, and he just genuinely wanted to ask him a couple of questions because he was struggling keeping some of these plants alive. And so he asked this botanist one question. And what happened was this botanist was so excited to share his knowledge that he began talking. And he didn't stop talking for the next three hours. And the entire dinner party goes by. This botanist says, he just talks for three hours straight. Dale Carnegie doesn't even get one word in otherwise. And this botanist leaves the party and later tells the host, that guy Dale is the most interesting person I've ever met. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like, that's silly. And and Dale Dale, his point is this, is that people find you interesting when you are interested in them. When you are interested in somebody, you ask them a question and they get to share what makes them happy. What, they, what happens in their mind is they are interested in you. They like you. And this is the beautiful thing that I want us to understand about the Lord. I want you to know this. He's already interested in you. But how many know this, that the Lord has some valuable information to share with us? All he needs you to do is shut up for a second. Because oftentimes we come to the Lord and we say, God, bless this, do this, fix this, give me this, and and, and let's bless our food and have a good day. Amen. Bye. And that's our prayer life. And the Lord's saying, man, if you would have just given me some time, I would have just told you all of these amazing things, but you're just not shutting your mouth. And and there's a scripture verse in Psalms chapter 46. It's one of my favorite, and I'm sure you you know it. Um, It says this, be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That word be still, it's this picture of letting go. It literally means weakness. It mean, it, the picture is this. If you're holding on to something, right, you're, you're, you're like, you're stiff. And being still means this, let go. Open your hands and relax. And for many of us, we can't not talk in the presence of God because we're holding on to some semblance of control. We're trying to control the scenario, control the outcome. We want God to answer our prayer, but we want him to answer it a certain way. We want him to answer it at a certain time. We need God to do it, but we need him to do it our way. But that's not how God works oftentimes. He wants you to be still. And silence is very difficult for many of us because silence is us surrendering our control to God. Us sitting in silence before him is saying, God, you literally can do and say whatever you want right now. I have no control over this situation. I'm letting go. And when you do that, what, what is the promise? That you will know that he is God. When you be still in his presence, God is able to prove and to show himself to you. Can I tell you something, friends? Sitting in silence before the Lord has been one of my favorite exercises and practices to do because what I realize is this, is that God never stops talking. Just like that guy at the dinner party who talked for three hours straight, God is never quiet. And if you quiet yourself enough to listen to him, you will be overwhelmed with wisdom and revelation and goodness and mercy and all of these incredible things that God wants to bestow upon you if you would just shh. If you would just sit in the presence of God. Here, hear this. Revelation comes when we listen and listening happens in silence. You can't listen and talk at the same time. I don't care what you told your fifth grade math teacher. You can't flirt with that girl in the back and still pay attention to the lesson, okay? You can't listen and talk at the same time. You have to be silent. And so as we close this, this message, I, I wanted to do something that I think would be kind of fun, right? I want to incorporate, I want to show us how to incorporate prayer into our daily devotion. So I'm going to ask Pastor Tracy, are you here? Can you come play for us while we do this? But, but I want to show us how to incorporate, and we're going to do this together. Is that okay? Can we do this together? I promise it won't take long, but we're going to do this together, and we're going to spend a few moments in prayer before the Lord. Here's what I want to look at. If you put that next slide up there, we're going to look at Isaiah 26, verse 3. Where's Layla? She's somewhere. Isaiah 26, verse 3. That's Layla's favorite scripture verse. I think she got a tattoo of it on her arm somewhere. Um, but Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Now, now let me, I, I really want to walk, I really want to walk through this together because I, I want you to do this tomorrow morning, right? And so this is what this type of prayer does. This type of prayer, meditation, contemplation, and silence, what this does is a pathway that connects the word of God to the heart of God. Okay, like I said, this isn't the only way to pray. This is, I'm not telling you this is the only way to pray, but, but this is awesome because you can connect what the word of God says and you can connect it to the heart of God. And so we're going to take that journey together. But this is what needs to happen. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, first thing, read the word, okay? Read the word. Now let me tell you something. That little one scripture verse a day that you get in your little Bible app, that is not enough of the word, okay? And here's, here's why, because every single one of us after this, 
we're going to go home and we're going to eat lunch because we're really hungry. And you're not going to take one bite of a cheeseburger and put it down and be like, ooh, I was, I'm stuffed. No, you're going to devour that entire cheeseburger. You're going to have a full plate of fries, maybe a milkshake, and then another dessert. And who knows what's after that, right? Why? Because you, your physical body needs food. Can I tell you, your spiritual body needs food, okay? You can't just read one scripture verse a day. You have to devour the word of God. You have to get into the word. Some of your guys' Bibles have too much dust on them. It's just the truth. Your Bible's too dusty. You need to open it up and read the Bible. And, and I would recommend, if you don't have a set daily routine, I would recommend you begin with three to five chapters every day. Super easy. It's going to take you 15 minutes. 15 to 20. It depends if you read Psalms 119 or not. <laughs> That's a long one. But you read the Bible, right? So this is what I do. I read the Word. And say we were reading Isaiah chapter 25, 26, and 27 today, right? We read it. We come across this scripture verse. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Man, that, that, that's a, a powerful scripture verse, right? Anybody, anybody agree with that? That's pretty powerful. So what I would do is I would underline that or I would circle it or I would make a note of it and, and know that I'm coming back to that in my time of prayer. And so after I'm done, what I would do is I would spend just two to five minutes meditating on a scripture that impacted you. So can we do that together? Let's just begin to meditate on this scripture verse. Let's read it. Let's read it together, all together. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Come on, let's read it again. You will keep him in perfect peace. Stop. Not just regular peace. Perfect peace. What is perfect peace? Nothing missing, nothing, nothing out of place. It's perfect peace. When everything else is falling all around you, you can be in perfect peace. Why? Because your mind is stayed on him. It's not stayed on the things of this world. Your mind is not consumed with what your boss says or what your friends are saying. Your mind is stayed on the Lord and you trust him. Come on, let's read it one more time. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. This is what meditation is. It's this reading over and over again. And if you have time, what I would do is I would get into some of the Greek or the Hebrew there and I would look at what that perfect peace means. I would look at what that, that word mind, what does that mean? What, is, what does the word keep mean? right? What does this word trust mean? When you break the scripture down, what you're doing now is you're chewing on it. Just like a cow brings that stuff back up, right? Really gross metaphor. And he continues to chew on it. When you bring the word up and you dissect it, you dive into it, man, you're, you're pulling out all of the revelation. You're pulling out all of the wisdom, all of the insight and nutrients out of this word. And then we spend two to five minutes contemplating on how God has brought peace in your life. Come on, let's, let's, let's do this together. Let's just all close our eyes, maybe hold your hands out like this. And I want, you to, I want you to think of all the times in your life that you were unsettled. Think of it. If you can remember a time in your life where you were filled with anxiety, that you were filled with, with, with fear, whatever that is, and just think about what God did in order to set your mind at peace. Come on, do you think, can you think of that right now? And if you have it in your mind, what I want you to do is I just want you to begin to thank him for it. Come on, just thank him for it out loud. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping my mind in perfect peace. 
as we look back, we don't forget any of your benefits, God. We look back and we remember how we were out of our mind, but you restored our peace. We thank you, Father. We remember when we were addicted, when we were broken, when we were confused. God, you intervened in our life and you came and instilled your peace, not the world's peace, not some false false idea of peace, but you've given us perfect peace because our mind has stayed on you, Jesus. We thank you that there's not a weapon that's formed in hell that can bring destruction to us, that can get us outside of our perfect peace. We thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. We remember all that you've done for us, Jesus. And after we get done contemplating the good things of the Lord and all that he's done in our life, what I would encourage you to do is just spend two to five minutes in silence listening to the Holy Spirit. So come on, let's do that together. I know we're in a room filled with people and oftentimes this is probably better to do by yourself. Um, but we're gonna do it here today. And, and I want you to see something before we do. In Mark chapter one, the Bible says that Jesus withdrew into the wilderness to pray. Remember that? Oftentimes Jesus would do this. He would leave, and the Bible says wilderness, but a better translation is this, a quiet place. This wasn't like the desert or this like jungle. The wilderness literally means a deserted place, a place where no people were. So Jesus would go to be silent before his God. This is the practice that Jesus often applied to his life. And so what we need to do, you can go back to that other one, thank you. What we need to do is we need to spend a few minutes in silence. So let's just do this as quiet as you can. Let's just close our eyes, bow our head. And I'm gonna pray a prayer and I just want you to listen to the voice of the Lord for a moment. Holy Spirit, in this moment, we invite you to speak. We close our mouth so that you can open yours, Jesus. Would you bring us in this moment wisdom and revelation so we can hear your word? like that, you've connected the word of God to the heart of the Father. This is something that I've done in my own life and something that has brought me into great depth of relationship.
relationship with the Lord. And I think that the, the Lord desires for us not just to list off our laundry list of needs to him, but use prayer as a means to connect to the heart of the Father. That your prayer life is an opportunity for you to engage the one who created the universe. This is an incredible opportunity for us. And so my encouragement to you, for you and for me is to create a system, a daily practice where every single day you wake up, you get into the word of God, you meditate on it, you chew on it, you allow it to change your life and you dwell on it, you contemplate it, you think of the good things of God and then you sit before him in silence and you allow him to minister to your heart. This is prayer, this is what prayer is. Prayer is not a monologue, but prayer is when God comes and impacts you with his revelation, with his wisdom. Prayer is when we sit back in awe of God. Prayer is when we give thanks for what he's done. All these things are prayer and they're things that will connect us deeper into his heart. Will you stand to your feet with me as we close today? Do me a favor. If you could put your hand on your heart here. I just want to pray for us. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for the spiritual disciplines that you've instituted, not, not to make us religious, because these spiritual disciplines aren't religious when you're the goal, God, when you're the goal. And so right now, we just embrace this idea of prayer, and we reject the old way of doing it, God, of just listing off our problems to you, God. We, not to say that we won't ever talk about those things, but God, we desire to be connected to your heart intimately. So, Father, right now I speak a blessing over every single person in this room watching online, listening to my voice, that they would be having a prayer revolution in their life, that they would spend every day praying in prayer to you, Father God, meditating on your word, contemplating your goodness, God, and giving you space in their life to speak to them. God, I pray that as we connect deeper to your heart, that you would change our life by your word, by your words, by your thoughts, by your affection towards us, God, that as we connect deeper to you, that we would be able to hear the secrets of heaven being spoken to us. I thank you, Father God, and I just pray a, prayer, a special, special prayer of hope for any person in this room that is going through a difficult time. I thank you, Father God, that they, they can, even in their difficulty, have hope, knowing, God, that you are the healer, you are the provider, you are the one who brings good news, and you've done it before, you will do it again. We bless them right now in the name of Jesus. In your name I pray. Come on, everybody said in this room. Amen, amen. Do me a favor. Don't go anywhere for a second. I'm going to invite my altar ministers to come forward. And if you've never given your heart to the Lord, you've never given your life to the Lord, this is what I want to, want to say to you today. This is interesting. A lot of times we say, make the Lord, make Jesus the Lord of your life. But this is, doesn't make sense because you can't make Jesus Lord. How many know this? Jesus is Lord, whether you make him Lord or not. He is the king, whether you make him king or not. And so the invitation to you today is not to make Jesus Lord, but it's to acknowledge that he already is Lord and submit to that lordship. And if you've never done that before, I want to invite you and give you an opportunity to do it. 
It's gonna be the most significant, important decision of your life. And if you're here today and you're going through a difficult time, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're dealing with depression, anxiety, whatever it is, I have one rule here. You, life has its ups and downs and we all go through things, but the only rule is you can't do it by yourself. We're a family and you're not allowed to do it alone. And so we wanna pray with you, we wanna bless you, we wanna believe God on your behalf as well. So remember to live right, love everyone, pray hard. I love you all so much and we'll see you again next time.